what do you need to know as a job seeker? The biggest takeaway that I could just reiterate is there are so many qualified people looking for jobs. It's not just that there's lots of people, it's lots of people that are highly qualified. Job seekers just relying way too heavily on AI where they're copying, pasting stuff at a chat GPT and clearly uh, it's not their own and there's errors and it doesn't even make sense. But if that's the new normal, then it's not, again, it's no longer special. For the 200th time, regardless of what happens with AI and tech, relationship building will not be less important, yep. right? All right, welcome, welcome, welcome back to this episode of the How to Get a Job podcast. Today, I have a returning guest. I have an amazing career coach, hiring manager, one of your favorite LinkedIn influencers back on the podcast. And we're just going to hear to talk about what we think is going to happen in 2024 with the job market, what we're seeing on LinkedIn, what we're seeing with hiring, what are some of the new trends, and so on. So to do that, Adam Broda, the founder of Broda Coaching, is here today. Adam, welcome. Thanks for having me on, Daniel. Super pumped to be here. Always, uh, <laughs> always enjoy our conversations, depending on uh, what we talk about. But yeah, I'm excited. Let's let's jump in. Adam, man. So, um, I, one of the things I love the most about when I interact and I, and I see your content is that you have such a great perspective, both from from a hiring manager's point of view. Now that you're also coaching clients, but what have you seen been the biggest challenges in the job market in 2023, and how are you seeing that maybe being a little bit different? in uh, 2024? Well, that is a loaded question right off the bat. So yeah, I guess I'll, I'll share, I'll share perspectives from like both sides, right? Um, In terms of like, as a, as a person that does a lot of hiring and team building in corporate uh, at, you know, at a, at a large tech firm versus what it looks like from a career coach. So, I mean, some of it overlaps, right? Um, Hiring in tech in 2023 has been, weird to put it bluntly right the first you know the really the back half of 2022 and the first half of 2023 there were waves of layoffs going on there was rto there was relocation um and not just where i worked but really across a large number of companies and in my perspective you know many tech firms kind of did like one or two even three waves of layoffs and then they leveraged return to office policies and co-location efforts to also drive attrition. So that's still happening, you know, in November of 2023, we're still seeing relocation, co-location, RTO mandates kind of unfold, which are naturally going to drive attrition to some percentage. I don't know how big, right. And it really depends on the company, what they're doing and then where their people are. But um, my point is there's still attrition going on. Um, you know, forced and regretted uh, to some degree that that does make the hiring market interesting, right? Anytime there's large amounts of people flooding in that are highly skilled or highly technical and have lots of qualifications and experiences, um, that makes it a competitive market. And and 2023, I'd say from both sides, the career coach side and the hiring side, it's definitely a hiring manager's market. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas in 2020 and 2021, it was very much an employee's market. So, you know, what do you need to know as a job seeker? The biggest takeaway that I could just reiterate is there are so many qualified people looking for jobs. It's not just that there's lots of people. It's lots of people that are highly qualified. Um, 
which which means that you need to be very competitive, especially for top tier positions at top tier firms. Um, what does that mean for for job seekers? A couple things, right? It means that you need to be applying early. Uh, you know, the average job at the average company might be getting twice the traffic it was a year ago, and that being said, you you don't want to be the person that's applying after the job has been posted for three weeks, right? You don't want to be trying to be the guy networking and, you know, hitting up the recruiters yeah. and the hiring managers after that opening's been out there for a long period of time. And there's hundreds of applicants in the ATS. Uh, that is probably a pretty low likelihood effort. Um, the other thing that I'd say is that, and again, this is obvious, networking and relationship building have never been more important than right now. Uh, again, when there's lots and lots of heavily qualified people with great experience, you need every mechanism you can to help stand out. And yeah. again, I've said this once, I've said it a hundred times, the relationships you have and the people that are willing to write those custom re referrals, not just hit the, you know, hit the yeah. recommend button, right? But to actually write an email on your behalf to the people making a decision and saying, hey, check this person out, they're fantastic, right? Here's their targeted resume, I recommend them, I've worked with them in the past or I trust them. Man, those, those types of things make all the difference. The last thing that I would say um, in terms of like what's, what's really changed in the last year is networking through engagement is a much – it's a much more direct thing than it was a year ago. And when I say networking through engagement, I mean creating content that pulls an audience – back to your platform or back to your profile, right? If you're a job seeker looking for a job and you can create a, you know, some content a couple times a week or a couple times a month that puts eyeballs on your experience, puts eyeballs on your profile, man, I've had a number of clients in the Broda coaching space where we've done this effectively over the course of a month or two. And it's been one of the most value added mechanisms for getting opportunities in terms of phone screens and interviews and, interactions with recruiters, you know, set your profile up so that people know what you want and know that you're looking and there's lots of ways to do that. And then get out there and drive traffic back to it. You know, sometimes that could be an insightful comment on a person's, you know, article. Sometimes that could be a post of your own, but that has been a big one that's that's really changed the job search game for me in the last 12 months. So again, kind of um, weighing in from both sides. No, Adam, you, you said a lot of things. I was just taking some notes because I want to unpack a lot of uh, some of the things that you shared that are super, uh, really great, great advice. Um, and so we can dive a little bit deeper. And one of the things you said, it was um, about applying early. Um, let's talk a little bit about that because it's one of the things I also tell our, our coaching clients, right? Like our job seekers is when you are on LinkedIn and you see that this job has been posted like less than like a day, two days. To me, I say, hey, prioritize that. Like, and they're like, well, Dino, but what about if I just go and find a referral? And I'm like, no, if a job's been open, like if it's been open in like less than two, three days, you're going to have more of a chance of getting your application viewed because you applied early than if you apply two, three weeks later with a referral, right? Like the, the recruiters, like if they're put in that role, that's their priority, right? Right. That week. And so they're looking actively reviewing those applications. But Tell me, tell us more a little bit more. Why do you also think, or why do you think applying early is such a big deal? Like you, you mentioned that and I was like, yeah, absolutely. And people don't like, it's not the same applying to something that's been open for a, a month versus something that's been open for a day. 
Absolutely. And I'd plus one to a lot of what you just said, right? You know, put your application in first and then go hit up a recruiter and then go hit up a hiring manager, then go ask for those, you know, referrals. And I'll say this because it's important, right? Someone clicking an incentivized referral button is, is good. Don't get me wrong. It definitely helps, but it, it pales in comparison to someone writing a recommendation and physically sending it. And that could happen at any point. So typically, yeah, if it's a great job and it lines up with what you want and, and you can get in early and by early, I mean like the first 48 hours, do it. Um, that that's exactly kind of the recipe that we're looking for. So yeah, from my end, you know, every ATS is different. Companies buy those pieces of software out of the box and then they have IT teams that tweak them and change them and all that good stuff. But um, yeah, when there's lots of applicants, you know, potentially hundreds of applicants for a given role, it's very common for recruiters to post and leave the role open for two weeks, right? Sometimes three, but in most of the tech companies that I work with too is really kind of the average. Um, and what that means is that the, the ATS system doesn't necessarily take the role down at the end of two weeks where it just disappears, right? What it does is it draws a line within the applicant pool. And for companies that are EEO companies, so equal employment opportunity companies, um, there's, I'm not going to get too far into the legality of it, but, but every, every applicant has to be looked at, right? Every applicant has to be physically looked at. Uh, by the way, if you're still one of those people that believes that like some robo ATS is kicking you out of the, of the system, that doesn't happen. Uh, some physical person is going in and putting eyeballs on your application and making some sort of a decision. But in a world where, let's say Google posts a mid-level program management role and they get a thousand applications in, in let's say a month, um, what, what the recruiting teams can do in their ATS is they can set up buckets. So the bucket system actually allows them to draw lines in their applicant pool so where they don't have to look at people past a certain point and legally that's okay. So maybe they bucketize the first 200 applicants and they say, okay, we're basically going to put a big old curtain over the other 800 people that applied before the rec was closed. And we're going to go through all 200 and hopefully we find, you know, enough qualified candidates to fill the phone screen pipeline and then start an interview cycle. Um, legally, they can just say, hey, if we don't find them in that first 200, then we can pull the cover back and go to the next bucket and the next bucket, right? So yeah, the later you wait to apply, the more chance you have of not even being in the first group. And at that point, like you might not even be looked at at all before the rec is closed. So it doesn't matter how qualified you are at that point. It does not matter. They wouldn't even put eyeballs on it, right? They yeah. wouldn't even put eyeballs on it because if they put eyeballs on yours, then that potentially That's means they have to put eyeballs on 800 other people, which takes a considerable amount of time and probably time they don't want to spend. So it's strategic, like you were saying, to apply early, especially inside that first two week period. And I would even say inside of a couple of days, if you can help it, two weeks is kind of pushing it. Cause again, we don't really know how everybody sets those systems up. So to your point, it could be set yeah. by, Hey, we're only reviewing the first 200, 550, you know, it depends on the, on the resources allocated towards that, or it can be a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. So you, you don't want to take the shot, right? That's what you're essentially saying. So the earlier, you better, the more, chances you have to get reviewed one thing that you then mentioned too is like hey like you essentially said all referrals are not created equal like a referral where you're like hey just use my email 
whenever they ask for the employee that you know, uh, it's not the same as the person that works in the same team, reports to the same manager that you're about to report to that says, Hey, I've been, I've worked with Adam in previous projects or previous companies. I've, you know, I've interacted with Adam on LinkedIn. I've seen his stuff. You know, I think he'll be a great cultural fit. I think he can do the job. That type of referral, that type of recommendation, I, I think there's a difference of a referral versus a recommendation. Uh, it, it's, it's different. Like it's, it's, you know, massively more impactful when, uh, somebody goes out of their way. It's like the level of effort they did to refer you, you can see as a, like, it makes a bigger impact. Oh yeah. And I would say like when I post roles, I might not even see everybody that is referred. Right. So let's say I post, uh, again, a mid-level program management position and I get 400 people that apply to it. Um, you know, if there's 20 people that have contacts on the inside of my company and they get them to submit an incentivized referral, the referral system that they use has different tiers, right? You can submit mm -hmm. a limited referral or a full referral, and that's just based off of how much you know about the individual and to what level or degree you're recommending them be considered. If it's a limited referral where you know of this individual and you're just kind of clicking the button and submitting your resume, I might not even see that. That might just go to a recruiter underneath me who's going to screen that person again for qualifications. And if they're not qualified, I might not ever see that individual. Uh, whereas, like you said, you know, if you go to a person inside the company and they write me, they find me in, you know, some, you know, let's call it phone book tool. Uh, you know, if they find yeah. me and send me an email with a targeted resume and a, you know, basically a recommendation, a letter of recommendation based off of some kind of transaction they've had. Of course, I'm going to see that and I'm probably going to read it. And I'm, you know, the likelihood of me considering that person is 10 times you know, the likelihood of a person that's getting that incentivized referral button clicked. So you're absolutely spot on. I, I think it comes down, like if I, if I try to simplify this for the user, it's like the, the level of effort that someone did to refer you actually speaks volumes, right? So if somebody had to go into the internal database, find who the manager of the department is, feel, okay, it's Adam. And then, you know, re send it not only like, hey, Adam, I think you should hire him. That's like a one sentence that took 10 seconds or versus two, three paragraphs, really elaborate. You could tell this person took the time to, to, to write this and you will only take the time to do that if you truly believe that would, that was the right candidate, right? Um, and I think this is a, the law of re reciprocity. I can't even say, I can't even speak English. Reciprocity. <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> I think it applies too. And that actually actually translate a lot too in, in, in how you do networking on LinkedIn, right? Like, um, when you are seeing a hiring manager and they, they post something on, on it, if you comment on their post on their on their post and say, great job. Oh, I can resonate with this, Adam. Great. Awesome. Versus someone that goes and leaves it four or five lines and it's really thoughtful point of view. That's way more likely to get the attention than a like or a great post. Right. Absolutely. It's quality over quantity all day long. And you're, I mean, maybe the best evidence is this, like if there's a person that I really want to land the job or I'm motivated to help, I'm not going to go into the referral system and click a button. I'm going to yeah. write emails and I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to do endorsements. I mean, absolutely. I'm going to put a little bit more time and effort into, into helping, which is on the flip side, right? Like if I'm a hiring manager and I have an open rec and someone takes the time to do that, exactly what Daniel said, I'm immediately going to think, okay, well, this person must be worth 
the effort to write this email, right? Or they wouldn't have taken the mm -hmm. time to do that. They didn't care. They would have just clicked that button. So you're exactly yeah. right. I don't, you know, there's a lot of tools that are coming out, you know, like AI has been probably the word of 2023, right? Chat GPT came out late last year. Uh, it's, um, and then from chat GPT, there's tons of different tools that have come out that uses chat GPT or, you know, whatnot. What has been your thoughts about AI in the job search process? What are the pros and cons that you see uh, from, from, from your point of view? Yeah. Let me start with the pros. So I'm very much a fan of leveraging AI assistance to save yourself time. And maybe that, like, obviously AI can do more than just save you time, but yeah. I'd say at a very minimum, I think all job seekers should be thinking about how to do that, right? How do yeah. I cut down the time it takes to write a thank you note, a cover letter, a targeted resume, all the way up to the point where it's, how do I cut down the time to submit an application, right? Or find people to talk to. There's AI tools for virtually everything today. And if there aren't, I'm sure Sam Altman will build one if he can figure out where he works. Um, <laughs> the, the other thing that I'd say pros wise is, you know, not only do they save time, but I, I also do think they improve the overall quality. Uh, I've been working a lot with some of the clients on Roto Coaching, um, you know, who are kind of doing some of this content generating strategies that I just talked about, where we're using ChatGPT and Bard and, uh, you know, ghost mode and some other web tools to help them, you know, craft their style of writing LinkedIn posts or their style of creating articles that they're going to post on LinkedIn. And yeah, like AI assistants can just generally take, you know, your writing experience and notch it up a couple levels for free, very fast. That's not a thing that people had the ability to do a couple years ago. And you know, someone that might not speak English as a first language or might not have been in the country for a very long period of time can now sound way more polished, you know, with just a, a quick couple of clicks and some relatively limited time on a platform. So definitely some pros there that I think are worth everybody considering. Um, on the flip side, I'd say there are definitely cons. There's the obvious ones of like, job seekers just relying way too heavily on AI where they're copying and pasting stuff at a chat GPT and clearly uh, it's not their own and there's errors and it doesn't even make sense. So we, we do see some of that from time to time. I see that on LinkedIn all the time too. The other thing that I'd say, and this is maybe where we start to enter the realm of concern is, you know, like Sonara AI is a platform I was just playing around with a couple weeks ago and it, you can pay a fee and what the platform does is it creates this avatar for you based off of a questionnaire that you answer and it submits applications while you sleep, right? You fill out, you know, a bunch of uh, profile information. You tell it what you want, what you're looking for. You submit a resume. You, again, you kind of populate everything it needs to know about you so that it can apply on your behalf. And people are shelling out, you know, 5,000 applications in a couple of weeks. And, and I guess where I, where I start to get concerned as a hiring manager maybe where other job seekers should be concerned is imagine that happening at a 10 X scale, right? Instead of just the one person doing that, what if it's everyone doing that? Where, that's the standard, right? That's right. A, if that, so that if that's the standard, standard, if that's the standard and everybody's submitting thousands of apps in a week while they're, while they're sleeping, I mean, yes, don't get me wrong. Like there are pros from the job seeking perspective where they're saving time, they're getting more exposure. But if that's the new normal, then it's not, 
again, it's no longer special. And that would wreak havoc <laughs> well, on the, you know, on the current make the, ATS system. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That, yes. That will actually make the companies have to react to that and go, Correct. go and, and they're going to have to improve their systems and they're probably going to have to use AI to then figure out like how to filter that even more because if they're having a hard, if it's already hard enough to manage two, three, 400 applications, how do you manage with 10, humans applications? Right, right. How do you manage 10,000 applications? Like you can't do it unless if you're using technology to apply you have to use technology to solve that issue as well. And then that becomes a, a then you did nothing, right? Cause you then you're back to square one. You're just canceling. So let me, let me out. kick you with this scenario. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you walk down that rabbit trail, it gets it goes to a weird place. Right. Where, yeah, you might have 10,000 applications to a job because everybody's sleep applying through some kind of AI platform. Yeah. And and I'll just be honest with you, like 10,000 applications. We already talked about what it looks like from a recruiting perspective where they use this bucketing approach. Um, you know, it would almost become like a lottery where people would be waiting for a rec to open and then you would flood it. Like it's like trying to buy Taylor Swift tickets. Uh, that's yeah, how it would yeah, work yeah. to apply to a job. And so companies are already starting to talk about like, hey, maybe maybe the way to use AI is not to build AI to handle 10,000 applications, right? Maybe really what the right AI play is to remove the application process entirely mm. and just create AI assistance for sourcing teams to where – we are posting recs, but we're only posting them internally. There is no external facing uh, application thing anymore, right? Now all you do is you get on LinkedIn and you just click, I'm interested in this role. There is no application. And what we have is we have a team of AI bots, right? That go out and they do their thing by evaluating what's available online. Um, you might like not eat. You get a message from AI right. from a little bot that says, "Hey, we're we're interested in your profile, Adam." Right. In two years, there might be even less human-to-human -human interaction than there is now. Uh, and again, like, there's a lot of ways that this could go. But like I said, maybe you think that's a good thing. Maybe you think that's a bad thing. It, it's just technology is driving a bunch of really interesting conversations in the space. And I'll say it for the two hundredth time: regardless of what happens with AI and tech relationship building will not be less important, right? Yeah. It, it will not. That piece will not go away. There will still be people involved that you can know. So that's where I'm doubling down, right, is, is that, that networking side of things. I think AI is about to get real crazy. I think we're still just scratching the surface, but it'll be fun. It'll be fun to watch. Yeah, it's super <laughs> interesting, uh, everything that you're sharing. And, and I see, to me, like, there's a lot of pros for using AI tools. There's things that save time. Like there's really great um, Chrome extensions where like that you can attach where you're on so and you're on LinkedIn that you don't have to copy and paste Adam Broda into like an Excel sheet. And with one click, it just it scrapes the, the LinkedIn page, puts it on a, in a tracker that allows you to maintain your relationships, get organized. Same thing with uh, utilizing AI to to create content or cover letters or tweaking your resume to the job description tools that can look at a job description and, and tell you, tell you uh, what gaps you have on your resume. Right. So there's a lot of good tools there. I do think I agree with you that it's about quality over quantity. And when you get to that rabbit hole of trying to take a shortcut of, Oh, there's these companies that will apply for me when I'm sleeping. Right. And you're applying to hundreds of companies a day, if not more, um, 
you're that's not quality that's quantity and you have don't have control on the calls that will on that what companies will give you back uh, will call you back right and it's very similar to the old shotgun approach that i used back like that i knew i even used myself when i was starting out in 2000 we all did it yeah <laughs> i was yeah. in college once too <laughs> yeah exactly adam so i know that um you, you're you're with Broda Coaching, you're starting some programs, some coaching, some uh, online courses. We'd love to learn a little bit more about, you know, what's in the horizon for you. Yeah, Broda Coaching's had such an interesting journey. I, I I say this to my, you know, to people that are interested in working with us on discovery calls, but it's always been a side business for me. Um, yeah. A lot of people don't know that they, you know, the, the way that the business has been designed and set up for the past four years has been one that fits in like a five to 10 hour box a week for me. And I typically only take a couple clients every, every so often. So sometimes there are wait lists and all that is to say is, yeah, we're, we're finally, we being me, I don't know why I keep saying we, uh, it's just me. <laughs> I'm finally deciding to shift into a bit more of a scalable approach. So, you know, we've, we've had one-on-one kind of, uh, uh, you know, one-on-one sessions be the bread and butter of what our coaching model looks like. And that's been great, but I can only help so many people at a time in that space. Um, there's also some issues with not issues, but you know, the price point that I charge now, I also recognize that not everyone can afford that and not everyone necessarily, um, wants, wants the style of coaching that I've been delivering. So we need to get to a place where we've got diversity of offerings and, the short version is, is yeah, um, in the next couple of weeks, if not months, I'm going to be rolling out a new cohort style program. So it'll be a five week career transition. You could call it a boot camp, but I'm just, I'm calling it a, a program and we'll teach people everything they need to know prior to starting their job search about how to position themselves to find dream jobs and what that dream job even means. Um, Cause a lot of people that we work with don't know that. And we try to help them figure out where they should be focused and the types of roles and levels and skills they should be uh, centered on. And yeah, it's going to be exciting. Um, I'm calling it metamorphosis. I'm not entirely sure what it'll cost yet or how many seats that it'll take, but probably somewhere in the 20 to 30 range. And uh, yeah, it'll be a full five week program where we go from start to finish. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to launching that. So pay attention. Wow. I guess I'll at some point start talking about that online. Not sure when yet, <laughs> Adam. So I'm I'm assuming that you're get, when you say online is LinkedIn. So if people want to learn more about you, stay in contact with what you know what you're doing. Uh, is LinkedIn the best place, or is there another place that they can connect with you? Yeah, LinkedIn is definitely the best place. It's where I'm the most active. We also have a website, so brodocoaching.com, um, where we put updates and newsletters and all of our materials on there. We also have free free resources for folks like like you know, resume templates and things that you can download. But uh, yeah, I'd say between those two, you should get, you should get the update, but LinkedIn's probably still the best place. Amazing. Adam, thank you, my friend, so much always for being so generous with your time and coming to the podcast so often. Uh, you're the man. Uh, super excited for you, your new program, 2024, looking bright. Uh, for all you job seekers that are listening, if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, want to learn more about Adam, uh, I'll put his LinkedIn below so you can and his website below on the show notes. Um, And if you enjoyed this, please share this with a friend. Subscribe, like, and catch you guys on the next episode. See you later, everyone. Talk to you soon.